Welcome to Dairy Stream, focused on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Once again, it's a pleasure to be with you for this special edition of Dairy Stream as we continue to give you some answers, hopefully, and at least some more insights into COVID-19 and what it means to your dairy operations and also uh, the dairy industry in general. We're really pleased today to have Katie Burgess with us. She is the Director of Risk Management for Blimling Associates, and we thank her for her time and her expertise. And first of all, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, some of our past podcasts we've had. We've been talking about how, you know, food service is a, a big market for dairy products, and, you know, there's still questions out there by producers about disposal. When we look at sales and, and look on the demand side. Retail sales spiked initially, but then they fell off and now they seem to be coming back a little bit. Where, from your perspective, Katie, do you see retail sales and where do you expect them to be when we talk about uh, this crisis continuing to linger? Sure. Things really got crazy during March. You know, there were definitely a handful of folks out there who hoarded. We all saw the pictures of people with carts full of toilet paper and milk. But for the most part, people are buying more at the grocery stores just because they need to help fill their pantries and freezers going into this. If you think about a typical family, in normal conditions, kids are eating lunch and maybe even breakfast at school five days a week. Now they're eating at home. Same thing with food service. You know, the family might have gone out to eat a few times a week. Now maybe they get takeout, but not as much. And so, yes, saw retail sales spike during the month of March. In mid-March, sales of fluid milk were up by a third. Cheese purchases were up about 60 to 70%. And sales of butter and frozen pizza more than doubled. So people are staying at home baking. And sometimes you get sick of cooking at home. So frozen pizza is just what you need. Today, we have seen that slow down a little bit. So sales of fluid milk... Uh, as of last week, we're up about 15% compared to a year ago. And from our analysis, that's where we'd expect them to hold during the duration of the stay-at-home order. At the same time, we see cheese sales still up by about a third compared to normal, and frozen pizza sales still up about 50%. So they're back um, off the peak that we saw in mid-March when people were really stocking up. But as long as people are staying at home, dairy continues to be a favorite, you know, cheese, baking with butter, all these comfort foods that people are craving at their staying at home. And so we continue to see that daily dairy sales are strong at the retail level. Well, then is it possible to explain to the uh, producers, because they might be saying then, well, you know, this was the year after four plus years of depressed prices. We were hoping to see things come back. We started to see them late in 2019 and the early part of this year, and then COVID-19 hit, and we've seen the, the big drop on the futures market. If we are seeing some you know, demand picking up, should they feel that possibly their prices are going to be increasing sooner than later? This year was supposed to be the good year. Obviously, we've had stronger sales at the retail sector, but at the same time, we've seen a massive decline in sales into food service, so restaurant chains, schools closed, other businesses closed. And so when we've done the math around that, even though sales at retail are up quite a bit, Overall, demand for dairy products is down about 10% um, just because of all the restaurants that are closed. So I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I go out to eat, you probably eat a bigger meal uh, than you do sitting at home. And so because of that, just from a calorie perspective, people are eating fewer calories and overall dairy demand is down. And that's one of the reasons that we've seen milk get pushed back into the system and even end up being dumped here in 
on occasion over the past few weeks. Some good insights, and we appreciate your answer on that. That is Katie Burgess. She is our guest today on Dairy Stream. She is the Director of Risk Management from Blimling Associates. And you had mentioned food service. You know, we obviously have saw that market drop off, but you know, there is hope that once the states start to open up their businesses, that we could see you know, possibly things coming back. Just from your perspective, how long a lag time do you think we should expect before those sales pick back up? I think it takes a while before we get back up to full steam. So we saw a survey that was done. They surveyed 1,000 consumers at the end of March and asked, how comfortable will you be going out to eat at a restaurant after this is all over? And 50% said they were still going to be fairly cautious about going to dine in a restaurant. That being said, we have seen a number of restaurants pivot successfully to delivery and takeout options. So for instance, pizza. Pizza obviously uses a lot of cheese. And even before this situation, 75% of pizza sales, especially from the, the more pizza chains, were already delivery or takeout. And so they've been holding up all right, which is good for dairy. And as of late March, some of the big chains were reporting sales up by 20% or more. So we've seen strong sales out of pizza. At the same time, you know, fast food, so our cheeseburgers, uh, 60 to 70% of that was already through the drive through So now with people not going out as much, you know, maybe fewer trips through the drive through but, you know, that business was still positioned to hold on okay through this. And we have seen some of the casual dining chains that were already doing kind of 15 to 20% of their business off premises where you could go pick up sales or you could get it delivered to you through one of the variety of delivery services. They've been working hard to increase that. So we've seen the sales double to 30 to 40% compared to what they had seen beforehand. And so even though it might take a while for things to get back to normal after this COVID situation dies down, I think that we are going to see within the next few months, we'll see more and more people at least going to do takeout or delivery just because they're getting sick of cooking at home. And I think people will be we'll be ready to head back out to the restaurants once it's finally safe. You know, in these times of uncertainty, what do you see processors doing to move product right now, but also make sure they're ready to increase demand when the quote unquote normal starts to return? I think it really depends on the processor. So for companies that were primarily selling to grocery stores, they've been super busy as they try to keep up with demand. On the other hand, processors that typically focus on food service or schools have been hit pretty hard. So especially if they make a product with short shelf life. So for instance, if you make butter, you can put it into the cooler and, and save it for you know six to nine months down the line when we get back to normal. On the flip side, if you make a product like a feta cheese or a sour cream that was destined for food service, now it doesn't have a home. And so because of that, we've seen processors where they can, you know, there's been a lot of good stories about processors out there trying to donate surplus products into food banks, hopefully getting the product to the people who need it, especially with so many folks out of jobs right now. But in some cases, if processors don't have a place to go with the milk, we've seen them, you know, pull back on the milk volume they can take in, and some people even shut down temporarily. And so that's one of the things that's sending more milk back into the system. Because of that, you know, one of the reasons we've seen the milk getting dumped down the drain, but I think people are trying to stay on top of the situation and, you know, figure out whatever they can do to help get the food in the hands of the people who need it. And so that way they're ready to roll when we get back to normal. 
Katie Burgess is our guest, Director of Risk Management for Blimling Associates. You're listening to Dairy Stream. And this is more of a, a speculative question, although with risk management, we do have some speculation. So uh, let's just look at, you know, food service demand is just going to be there when the country uh, opens back up. And, you know, retail sales hopefully will pick up as well. Do you feel that's a, maybe an accurate statement that we'll see things get back kind of to a normal trend? Are you concerned, though, that we might lose the market share? No, I think we will get back to normal. So before COVID hit, the amount that U.S. consumers spent at grocery stores and in food service was about on equal footing. So about $65 billion each month we spent at grocery stores and restaurants. We just got the data for March yesterday. It showed that grocery store sales increased by 25%, food service sales fell by 25%. Not necessarily that surprising given, you know, what we've all been living through over the past few weeks. But I think as we get back to 2020, once we start to feel more comfortable, um, by the end of this year, I think we'll see those numbers begin to converge again. Um, Because at the end of the day, once we feel free to leave our houses, people are going to want to travel again, go out to eat, get together with friends, and probably going to be pretty sick of cooking at home. And so I think that once conditions improve, we'll see those numbers go back to normal. And the long-term trend is that food service sales have been growing, uh, outpacing grocery store sales. And so I think that we will get back to that historical growth in food service. Now, Katie, we've been stressing for several years now that when you talk about dairy, it's not just a domestic, but a global market. So, you know, we are getting some reports that dairy export markets are starting to trend upward once again. Uh, we're seeing trade picking up with Asian countries and, and some nations, COVID-19 has plateaued. So with that said, how long do you feel it might take for our economies to rebound and start moving forward again on the export front? That is one of the pieces of good news we've gotten over the past weeks is that there are some reports of better export sales into Asia. And so, I mean, I think from a global perspective, until we have a vaccine, it it will still, it'll be touch and go. But, you know, as it sits today, U.S. cheese prices are some of the lowest in the world. So while that's not great news for milk checks in the months ahead, it hopefully means that we're able to move some of this surplus product we have here domestically right now offshore. Looking forward, so Asia sounds to be a little bit better. The one I'm really keeping my eye on is Mexico. They're our Mm -hmm. largest dairy trading partner. Sales to Mexico seem to have slowed a bit. So the peso is relatively weak compared to the dollar, which is limiting their purchasing power. And similar to us, a lot of folks there are being forced to stay at home. So commerce generally has slowed. And so I think that that's really one we have to keep an eye on as well. And Katie, before we take our break, just a a quick question about looking into the future once again on the export front. Uh, Even though maybe they have struggled, I know we were moving forward. We're uh, we're moving in a positive trend on the export picture for dairy. When you look at potential growth markets for the U.S. dairy products, what do you see long term? Once we make our way through this kind of short-term hiccup, I view it as a hiccup in the market, not necessarily a reversal of long-term trends. And so before this happened, we were making big strides and selling more products into Asia. So obviously lots of optimism around selling more products to China and even the opportunity to continue to sell more products to Mexico. Once we get 
through this, I think there's still going to be a great demand there for dairy products. U.S. dairy producers are well positioned to help serve a growing global market. And because of that, I believe that we will see exports rebound once we make it to the other side. Katie Burgess is our guest, Director of Risk Management for Blimling Associates. And when we continue our conversation, we'll talk about the USDA. No action yet, but what could happen? We'll have it all on Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. The Dairy Business Association is the leading dairy lobbying group in Wisconsin, focused on advocating for sensible state laws and regulations that affect the dairy community. The nonprofit organization is comprised of dairy farmers, milk processors, vendors, and other business partners who work collaboratively to ensure that dairy farms of all sizes have the support they need to keep America's dairy land strong. Learn more at dairyforward.com. Katie Burgess is our guest today on Dairy Stream. She's the Director of Risk Management for Blooming Associates, and we've been talking about uh, some of the trends and sharing some of her insights on how she thinks things will be happening when it comes to demand on both the domestic food service front and retail sales. And we also talked a little bit about uh, the world market and what could be happening there. Of course, a lot of you are waiting to find out what's going to happen with the USDA, and that's the next direction we're going to take. As of our conversation today, uh, there still is no word on specific programs, but maybe Katie, you could just explain a little bit about what you think might be occurring, uh, especially when it comes to maybe financial assistance and the purchasing of dairy products from the USDA involvement. There's been lots of talk over the past week or so. We, last week, we saw IDFA and National Milk submit a variety of proposals to USDA in terms of things they thought that could help the industry make it through these tough times. It was a pretty big list. The hope was was that we'd at least get some of those things because obviously USDA is working on supporting dairy farmers, but lots of other agricultural sectors have been hit hard by this as well. As chatter has emerged so far, it sounds like the things that USDA is going to focus on are providing direct payments to farmers and buying dairy products. So on the side of providing direct payments to farmers. We don't know the details yet, so not sure you know, what that payment will be on a per hundred weight basis of milk. And there's been a few different proposals tossed around, some requiring producers to trim milk production in order to be eligible, others uh, suggesting that would not be part of it. And it's at least uh, as of what we've heard, it sounds like that might not be part of the final package. And while these types of programs typically feature some sort of income cap, I think it's going to be uh, an important part of helping producers make it through the low prices that we're expecting to face over the months ahead. The other important part of the program will be buying dairy products. Right now, with lots of folks out of work, we're seeing a greater need than ever at the food banks for dairy products. And because of dairy's perishability, it's one of those things that necessarily it's, it's a little harder to keep on the shelf than, say, a box of cereal or a bag of rice. And so we need the dairy products continually moving so that way the milk is there, or the cheese is there when the consumer comes in to get it. Already, we've seen a number of dairy processors making donations to food banks or other folks in need just because their demand from restaurants or schools is down. And I think that it's going to be important for USDA to help broaden that process to really get the extra dairy products we have today coming off the farm to the people who need it, whether it's fluid milk, cheese, or other dairy products. But I think that will be a, a good step in keeping milk moving and hopefully means we have to dump less milk down the drain. Katie Burgess is our guest, Director of Risk Management for Bloomling Associates. And 
Let's talk a little bit about risk management options and strategies. You know, before the pandemic crisis began, producers had the opportunity to sign up for risk management like the dairy margin coverage and the dairy revenue protection programs. Obviously, due to the downturn in the market prices, what are the indemnities looking like now compared to what they were expected to be? So we've got two different programs out there. We've got dairy margin coverage. It's offered via the FSA office from USDA and then dairy revenue protection insurance. So heading into 2020, we thought prices were going to look a little bit better. And so some people signed up for the insurance this year. Others did not. But now for the folks that did sign up for it, it's looking like we're going to see some pretty sizable payouts. Here we are based on where futures are trading as of mid-April. It looks like payouts for the second quarter of 2020 top $4.100 weight for both producers who signed up for dairy margin coverage or for folks that signed up for uh, dairy revenue protection insurance late last year. So for a number of folks, just by having that insurance, which costs less than 20 cents a hundred weight when they bought it last fall, um, it'll pay out more than $4. And I think for folks, uh, in a lot of instances, it's going to be the difference between breaking even or not this year. And do you think the government's going to allow producers, they're going to reopen that up so more of them can now sign up for the program or go to different levels? Uh, that is one of the things currently being discussed. I've heard people suggest it could go either way with USDA, but in the event that USDA does reopen up enrollment for dairy margin coverage program, farmers can sign up for that to get a 950 margin protected on their first 5 million pounds of milk. So that's about 225 cows worth of milk production. I would say if USDA opens that program, um, make sure to go to the FSA office as quickly as possible and get signed up because it could be meaningful payouts here in 2020. What about just from your perspective, working with your clients? And again, we're with Katie Burgess, Director of Risk Management at Blimling Associates. Uh, you know, different options that are available to them, be it, you know, puts, options, going to the futures, or if they go to other programs like DMC or even LGM Dairy. Uh, what kind of advice are you giving or what kind of knowledge do producers need to have if they want to be successful using a risk management plan? It's important to work with a person you trust. I think that's an important part of it. And looking at the options that are out there today, now that markets are falling, it, it's not quite as attractive as it was, say, a few months ago. But in terms of people mm -hmm. who are looking to mitigate milk price risk further on through 2020, there are still some decent options out there. So like I mentioned, if dairy margin coverage program gets reopened, go sign up for that. Um, also, dairy revenue protection insurance has been a popular choice. The reason people like that one is that it lets you set a milk price floor, but in the event that milk prices go higher later in the year, you only pay the premium and you get the higher prices. And so we've had people looking at that right now because later on, on out in the year, you can still protect a floor for the fourth quarter of around $14.50 per hundred weight of milk. I know that $14.50 isn't a great price, but compared to the 11 and $12 prices that we're currently seeing trade in the futures market for May and June milk right now, it still puts at least a floor under the milk price, helps you mitigate a little bit of risk, hopefully helps you sleep a little bit better at night. And if milk prices do recover, you get all the upside. And so I think one of the biggest, most challenging things right now is that we don't know how long this uh, is going to take to play out. You know, hopefully by the time we hit summer, people can get out moving again, buying dairy products, get back to their normal lives, going to restaurants. But, you know, some of the stories that have come out in recent days have suggested, you know, it could take until 2021 for things to get back to normal. And so because of that, um, we've still been counseling producers to look at 
things, either buying put options or programs like DRP, where they can put a price floor under their milk to help protect them further down the line. Yeah, that floor is very important, especially with the volatility we've been looking at. Just a couple of final questions, Katie. One just dealing about the attitude of farmers. You know, I've talked to, to many or your read reports are kind of nervous, especially about their May and June milk checks. Uh, what insight can you provide there? No, the May and June milk checks right now are not stacking up to be pretty good. Here, just over the past few days in in mid-April, we've seen milk prices drop to the lowest we've seen since 2009. So butter and cheese, lowest since 2009. You know, that's a comparison that no one in the dairy industry ever likes to make. It seems like we could be up for some tough times, but hopefully it gets a little bit better further down the line. And that's why I think these risk management programs are important um, to support producers in case prices do stay low for a while. Katie Burgess has been our guest, Director of Risk Management for Blimling Associates. We appreciate all her candor and insights and hopefully has given you, again, some more answers as you try to put together your business strategies to make it through, a, unfortunately, a, a timeline we are unaware of as far as how long it's going to be, but at least trying to give you some answers on moving forward and using risk management to try to protect yourself. I guess the, the last thing I want to bring up before we close our conversation here on Dairy Stream, Katie, is what do you feel farmers can be doing to impact their bottom line? Right now, times are tough. And I think as we make our way through the next few months with low milk prices, producers are going to be continually thinking about how to keep costs low and how to manage risk looking ahead. Uh, Like we talked about, we just don't know how long this is going to last. So if you haven't done anything so far, it's not too late to sign up for a program like DRP to at least ensure, you know, a minimum milk price for yourself during the second half of the year. The other important thing for producers is keep a close eye on USDA um, Dairy Aid. It will hopefully have the details here soon within the coming days. So you'll have to go in, learn about how your farm might qualify and make sure to get, you know, whatever money they have available to help stay afloat over the time these times of low milk prices. And I always think it's important for producers to remember to reach out for help if you need it. Talk to your co-op, talk to your lender, talk to your advisors. It's times like these where we all need to stick together because there's so much uncertainty out there that it's always good to bounce ideas off, you know, other folks and try to learn and find out more about what tools are out there to help support dairy farms because, you know, they're more important than ever right now, um, helping keep America fed. And certainly remember to try to control those controllables on your operation as well, that you can have an impact there as well. And again, we appreciate people like Katie Burgess for uh, their insights, their expertise, and their uh, support in helping you make it through, obviously, a time that none of us have ever been involved with before. Our guest has been Katie Burgess. She's Director of Risk Management from Limling Associates. Thank you for listening to this latest edition of Dairy Stream. Again, God bless all. and. Be safe. Hey, thanks for listening to Dairy Stream. We value your feedback, so let us know what you thought and what you'd like to hear by emailing us at podcast at dairyforward.com.